What's going to happen at Faith Promise? Battle of the Pastors is going to be incredible. Uh, we're we're going to take what's historically, first of all, this little section who laughed at the beauty part, see me upstage after, okay? Sinners, okay. But, uh, Super Bowl is usually a low time. We're going to take it, make it one of our best weekends of the year. It's a great time for you to invite your friends and family. Uh, during the making of that video, unfortunately, Pastor was damaged. Um, you guys have seen he's lost a little bit of weight. He's a little fragile, okay? But there comes a time in every pastor's life where it's time for them to stop playing and start coaching, and somebody more able and stout is here to step in. So I'll be bringing the message this weekend. Oh! Pastor, <laughs> how are you? You locked me in the bathroom. <laughs> Were you in that bathroom? Get out. Get off my stage. See ya. Two weeks, you're going down. Come on, is he going down in two weeks? Going down. Well, as you've heard it before, we're going to do something new on Super Bowl Sunday. You hear it all the time, we're doing something we've never done before, and so it is, as you've already heard, a great weekend to bring your friends. The gospel will be presented, but we're going to have a blast that day, and obviously, age and wisdom, come on, will prevail over youth. Come on, anybody, come on, our experienced saints. That's right. It is going to be unbelievable. So you absolutely don't miss this coming. Hey, welcome to all of our campuses. Welcome, promisers, and, and all our guests. We're thrilled to have you guys. Welcome, God Behind Bars. We love you guys. By the way, because of what God's doing at Bledsoe County Correctional, that's the reason that Morgan County is open. You guys are rocking it, and word is spreading what's happening to God Behind Bars. So we love you guys. Excited about what's going on. Are you guys with that? So don't forget the training. If you want to be a part of either one of those of our God Behind Bars on the 30th, or the, just sign up, and we'll let you know about that. It's unbelievable. By the way, I'm praying, we're praying for 850 people to be saved and baptized this year. Is that possible? Y'all think we can see it? So it's going to be up to y'all to invest, to invite, to pray, to, to engage with people, to get them to the house of God, and especially the next generation. And uh, one of the things we're praying for is we're praying for an anointing of innovation that God will give us new ways to do things. We're praying for miracles in, in launches in more locations, but, but there will be some things that we do differently. And listen, if there's some stuff we do that you don't like, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to change it. And if there's things that we're doing that you love, don't get too attached because we're going to change them also. So one of the things is constant is change. So like next weekend, where there is complete fruit basket turnover in the preschool ministry. So if you have a preschooler, just get ready. We're completely out of space in our preschool ministry. So Pastor Gina, has, she's repurposed some spaces, and we're, so everybody gets moved. And so just go ahead and be ready. My hair be just a little early next week so we can get all that. We're always making room for more people. Isn't that right? It's always about those who have not yet come. And you've heard it said before, if we're going to win those who no one else is winning, then we have to do what no one else is doing. Is that right? So, man, I just need you to be as promisers always are, be able to flow and, and go as the Spirit of God moves. But one of the, just a couple of thoughts along that line. Number one, do not equate a style with something that is spiritual. 
Well, if we don't do church like we've done church, then it's not spiritual anymore. I'll bet if you roll the tapes back 2,000 years, the, the Apostle Paul did not do church quite like we do church. I'm sure he didn't do satellite messages to satellite campuses. So there did, we, we do things. So beware of thinking that something is spiritual, a certain style or way of doing things. What we do at Faith Promise is we date the methods, but we marry the mission. Our mission is clear. It was given by our commander-in-chief at his ascension after his resurrection. He said in Matthew 28, go into all the ethnos, the Greek word that we get a word, ethnicity. Go, it's translated go to all the nations, but literally go to every ethnicity, making disciples of them, baptizing them, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That is our co-together mission. We married that. We are locked in to the target that Jesus gave us. But we're go- but the way that we do it, we have a lot of leeway. So Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have a preach-off. Have we ever done it that way before? No. But we're going to do it that way this year. Will we do it next year? Who knows? We'll see. Now, let me, just a couple other things before we dive in the Word, because I'm telling you that the message is going to transform your life. <clears throat> I am so sorry that in July of this past summer, I said that we were ahead of budget. I'm so sorry if I could roll back the tapes and take that word back, because we had finished the budget year in June 30. We were three quarters of a million dollars ahead of budget. I was bragging on you. I won't be able to do that again. But I was bragging on y'all that we were ahead of budget by three quarters of a million dollars. And everybody said, well, we're on this rocket sled generosity is going up and up and up. And I said, hey, by the way, we're ahead of budget. People said, oh, they don't need my money anymore. It goes, whoa, pink. It comes down the other side. So just FYI, we're seven months into the current budget and we're $300,000 behind budget. Now, the only way that we're keeping doing all that we do because we're not the government, we don't print money and we don't operate on a deficit We've taken the money that we were over budget last year, and we funded this year's budget. So let me ask you a question. Can we catch up the $300,000? Can we catch that up? Well, that's a golf clap. Come on. Come on. There we go. Because here's the deal. If we as a body, if we are going to do all that God is calling us to, is God calling us to great things? If we're going to do all that God is calling us to do, then we are going to. Then all of us must be on the generosity journey together. It cannot be standard operating procedure that 20 percent of the people give 80 percent of the money. It's going to require all of us if we're going to do what God has called all of us to. Do. Does that make sense? So it's a new year. I just want to challenge you: go up one level in generosity. If you've never given, just be a beginner. Start to give. Five ways you can give. You can find out our information. Uh, information at all of our campuses. If you've just begun giving, then I want to challenge you to go up to a learner, which means you put God in your budget. Everything that's important that you spend money on, is it in your budget? Sure it is. Put God and his kingdom in your budget. Uh, Some of you have been doing that. Go up to the core level, which is a tither. You give God 10%. And then some of you are 10% move up to the level of lavish. And we have a lot of people here who organize their life around the ability to be able to give more and be more generous 
to bring more offerings into God. So just go up one level of giving at a time until we'll have all the resources that we need. Now, if you're here last weekend, would you agree that Faith Promise is a construction site to help people build new names? Do you agree with that? Okay, right. If you missed it, go back and get it. But if you've ever done any construction, would you also agree that construction is expensive? No question. No doubt. So I was working on these notes thinking about this, and it dawned on me that the devil never runs short of money. Because the devil and the world has all the money it needs to destroy your name, doesn't it? Always stuff out there to pull you under, to, to the undertow, the, the riptide to suck you under. And then God began saying, yeah, I asked him in my quiet time yesterday, I said, Lord, I don't understand. Satan has all the resources. And he said, but let me tell you what you have. You have the truth. John 8, 32, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A lie never sets people free. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have heaven is your future. You have a vision now. You have the gospel. You have everything you need, and we do, to march out and transform and see people's lives change. Would you all agree with that? So onward we, onward we march, promisers, to make a difference. Let me give you a verse as we launch into this message, Philippians 1.6. Paul said, for I am what? I have full assurance. There is no sweat, no wavering, no doubt. I have full confidence of this very thing, that he that did what? Began a good work in you will do what? Will perfect it. If you're not dead, then God's not done. He will perfect it. What he started, he's going to finish. So God knows that you are not yet. That's what I want us to sort of key it on this weekend. You are not yet, but you're going to be. Not fully yet what God wants you to be. I'm confident he that began it will finish it. God started it. God will finish it. So you guys remember your history that, that the Wright brothers invented flight or manned flight. And these guys had a dream of creating a contraption that would fly. And they learned to fly while working on bicycles that were stuck to the ground. That's what these guys did. And some of us feel the same way. You feel like, hey, I'm stuck to the ground. There's no way that I can soar. This new series and a new name, I believe it. It's good for everybody, but it's not good for me. Because you don't understand, Pastor. I can't achieve. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never drop this weight. I'll never get married. I'll never overcome this addiction. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. Listen, if you're going to walk your new name, then you've got to change your confession. Does that make sense? And listen, listen to, just listen to the people around you, the people you live with, the people you work with. Listen to all the negative confession. If you're going to walk in your name, you've got to quit confessing crap. Are you with me? You've got to teach your kids. Quit confessing it. I can't. I can't take the test, and I'll never, and I'll never. You tell them, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we've got to change our confession. Now, the, the, the Wright brothers confess. We've learned to fly. We have Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, man, we have taken off. And that news went around the world, and it was met with absolute, utter disbelief. People didn't believe it. People thought, not yet. Nobody can do that. But we know the truth today, don't we? A couple of weeks ago, Michelle and I were sitting comfortably at 40,000 feet above the earth, and we were traveling at 650 knots. Why? Because in 1903, the Wright brothers took flight, and because what they did, the rest of us now can take flight. See, you, you say, but I don't have a new name. Not yet. My character hasn't fully been developed. Not yet. I'm not sure about my calling. Not yet. But not yet does not mean not now. 
Does that make sense? Man, listen, I tell Michelle, when Michelle gets mad at me, you know, every now and then we have some, you know, we don't fight, but we have some intense fellowship from time to time at my house. And guys, I'm about to help you right here. Men, are you ready? She gets mad at me. I say, baby, just keep praying. Hey, you got to pray for me because God's not done with me yet. Let's just pray right now. Come on. See, man, listen, you want to you flip it? It's hard for them to be angry when you say, come on, pray for me, baby. I, I know I'm not yet. <laughs> Philippians 1, 6, the pastor told me God's not done with me yet. Are y'all with? Listen, that's worth driving to church this weekend right for that right there. I de- Listen, I double-dog dare you next time she's mad. Just loving fangs, growing hair, back of the neck. Man, she is in full fed. Just say, hey, baby, time out. Wait a minute. God's not done with me. Yeah, I blew that, but I'm getting better. Come on, just come on right now. Come over here. Lay hands on me and pray for me. Don't close your eyes. Because she might do some serious laying of hands on you. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I slipped. What? Just be able to. And so, see, here's the deal. God is calling us out. God is calling us out. Ephesians 3.20. Now, to him who is what? Our God is able. Our God is limitless. Please. Please quit believing the lies of Lucifer and limiting God in your life. Quit believing lies. Our God is what? Say, God is able. Come on. My God is able to do far more abundantly. John Maxwell, when he was here, preached the whole message on this word, called it God room. Far more abundantly beyond. That is more to the third power. That's what that's the combination word means in the Greek. Beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in me. The same power that created the universe is alive in me. The same power that parted the Red Sea is alive in me. Quit believing lies because the power of God will do exceedingly abundantly above Beyond more, hoopo more than you could ask or think or imagine. Come on. We don't serve an absent Abba. We don't serve a dismissive deity. We don't serve a forgetful father. Our God knows right where you are and right what's going on. And he and, and not yet does not mean not now. So what we're in this, we got one more week in the series we launched this year with called out. And we've got you at the end of this month of the 31 days of the book that I wrote for you called out. If you didn't get one, go to, the, go to the information at any campus this weekend, and you can have a free book. Do it. Fill in the blank. Spend the time with God. Allow God to speak with you. I want to challenge you. Read through the Bible with us this year. You say, but I don't understand a lot of it. Neither did I. First time I read the Bible through, I didn't understand 90 plus percent. Now today, I understand like 60 percent. I'm not kidding. I'll read says, that past is that future. Listen, that Bible, is, that Bible is such a deep mind, you will never get it all out. And so read through it with us and just believe God. Our theme for this year, Proverbs 22.1, Proverbs, that's a V, not a B. A good what? Is to be more than and favor more than silver and gold. See, God is calling you out. What God calls you calls you out, and God calls you out, and God calls you up into his preferred future, into a greater anointing, into a greater level of ministry, into a greater level of intimacy with the Father, into a greater level of love, into a greater level of passion, into a greater level of miracles. See, God is calling us out, but God is calling us up. Does that make sense? 
into all that God has prepared. But we live in a world that is set to stop you from your potential, to stop you from your new name, to stop you. And so we are hardwired with negativity, aren't we? We're hardwired with skepticism. So we don't see good things, we see bad things because that's what we look for. I remember when Michelle and I got married and had kids, I bought a green Chrysler minivan. I had never seen a green Chrysler minivan. When I bought that, every other car on the road was a green Chrysler minivan. Were there more minivans on the road? No, I was now aware of it. We're hardwired for negativity, so we're not aware of the blessings. You want to hardwire yourself for happiness? Then change your focus, change your confession, and see all the good things that God is doing and giving you a good name. Does that make sense? Come on. So that is the deal, because what God calls you, what God calls you, and God is always calling us out. Now, let me tell you what some of you are thinking. I already know. I already know. I knew what you'd think. My prophet, here's the deal. This is what some of you are thinking right now. Pastor, you don't understand where I live. You don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. I mean, you're, you're a seminary graduate. You're a pastor. I began as a drug dealer and a dope addict, by the way, if you're new. Got saved and God transformed my life. But you say, you don't understand who I've hurt. You don't understand all the people that have hurt me. You don't understand my circumstances. I believe that that new name stuff, that 2017 is going to be better for everybody else except me. Now, some of you are thinking, I know you would. So let's roll back to a favorite Old Testament prophet. His name is Jeremiah. And this is what Jeremiah told the children of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 29 Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat of their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where what? I've sent you into what? Seek the welfare of the city I've sent you exile. And pray that the Lord, pray to the Lord on its behalf, the city where you've been sent, for in its welfare you will have welfare. And then he goes on in verse 11, which is a verse that most of us know. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, we don't know the plans God has for us. And these folks were so defeated and discouraged, they didn't even believe this. I know the plans <clears throat> that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for what? And not for? Plans to give you a? And a? Now, see, we, we quote this verse. If you've been in our church long, you've heard it quoted. I know the plans I have for you, thus said the Lord. But we never realize the context. And a text without a context is a pretext. We've got to see where the word was written to, who the word was written to, and how it applies to us today. This word was written by Jeremiah the prophet to the people, children of Israel, who had been defeated by King Nebuchadnezzar and had been taken exile, lost everything. Stock market went from 20,000 to zero. Their houses burned down, all their clothes, their future, everything they had was destroyed. They were put chains on them. Many of the men, their robes were cut off right about waist, and they were taken buck naked all the way to the land of Babylon. It was not a good day. It was not a good time. These guys were stroking. And so when they heard the sentence, I know the plans I have for you, it was very little hope for those Israelites. Just as some of you said, yeah, I got that, but you don't know where I am. So let's, again, let's contextualize. To make the matters worse, to complicate the situations, Hananiah 
a false prophet was telling the children of Israel, don't listen to Jeremiah because Jeremiah said he'd been gone for 70 years. That's why you need to build houses, get married, have kids, let them get married, do not decrease, increase in the land. Hananiah said, Jeremiah's full of bull. God's going to bring you back in two years. You ever had dueling preachers telling one thing and another? What do I do? Who do I believe? That's what was going on with these guys. They didn't know who to believe. They didn't know what was going on. They're defeated. They're discouraged. They're slaves in a foreign land. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think their exile into Babylon shocked God? No. Do you think God? No. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, God orchestrated the circumstances because they had forsaken God. They had started worshiping idols. And so God said, I'm going to send you into exile to learn whether it's better to serve whether it's better to serve this world or serve me. And so they go over. God is not shocked by their exile. God orchestrated their exile. See, God is sovereign in circumstances. Do you think your circumstances have shocked God? Do you think the Trinity's meeting this morning saying, oh, my holy name, what are we going to do? Look where they're at. Oh, my. How in the world are we going to get them out of this grave? No, God knew you'd be right where you are right now. And this is what I love about God. Watch this about God. This is so cool. God is restoring before we ever wreck the car. Before you blow it. Before you step into stupid. And don't we all step into stupid? That's why we are all, all recipients of grace. I don't know about you, but I need a lot. I need a lot from God and Michelle and y'all. I just need a lot of grace because I, I, I just make mistakes. And so we're all going to blow it. We're all going to make wrong decisions. We're all going to travel down a wrong road. So before we ever run into the embankment, before we ever wreck the car, God's already restoring Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his own what? Toward us in that while we were yet, Christ died for us. 2,100 years before you would be born in sin, God had already sacrificed his son to pay for your sins. See, he already started building it up. He already started moving, knowing before you'd wreck that you'd wreck. See, God is always about restoring relationships for us to God and for us to each other. Does this make sense? That's why in February we're going to do a new series called A Tale as Old as Time, Beauty and the Beast. The Beauty and the Beast of Relationships. As a matter of fact, if you were to think, the greatest things in your life have all happened based on relationships, haven't they? And the worst things that have happened to you in your life have happened based on what? Relationships. So there's the beauty and the beast. We're going to learn to manage and how to maximize the relationships that we have. But see, who you have been is not who you are. Where you've not been is where you're going. Your past is not a prison cell. It's a launching pad into a greater future. Your past doesn't have to label you because God has named you. The world sticks labels on you. Peel them off, baby, and believe the names that God called. You're a saint. You're an overcomer. You're a disciple. You're the head and not the tail. You're a winner and not a loser. Matter of fact, if you're reading the Bible through with us in the Bible reading plan a few days ago, Jacob, who was Esau's brother, who was Isaac's son, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, steals his brother's birthright. Then he steals his brother's blessing. In the midst of that, he flees from his brother because Esau said, I'm killing you when dad dies. So he takes, puts in a beef for Boogie, and he goes back, and he finds his mother's family, and he gets married, and he works for his father-in-law. Then he cheats his father-in-law, and he runs, and he's running, he's running back home. An angel meets with him, and they wrestle all night. They, at daybreak, he said, bless me. Jacob said, I want you to bless me. 
and he said, I'm gonna, the angel said, your name has now been changed. You have been called Jacob, which means deceiver. You will now be called Israel, which means, if you look in the, 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 the etymology of that word, it began as the river crosser. You came to this way, this way, but you're going to cross the river and be transformed. Your name used to be, but now your name is going to be. You used to be addict, now it's going to be set free. You used to be drunk, now it's going to be delivered. You used to be in debt, now it's going to be debt free. It used to be discouraged, now it's going to be victorious. Are you with me? Man, God is about changing names. Matter of fact, God is already building before we start believing. Super Bowl Sunday, we're working on that. Mike and the creative team is building that weekend, and you're going to bring family and friends, and things are going to happen in that service. It's going to touch their heart and open them up to Jesus. God is already building before people start believing. It's happening in your small group. It's happening in the next campuses. It's going to happen at Morgan County Correctional. It's going to happen in, in the other campuses we're going to open because, see, God is always building before we ever start believing. God already was restoring before we ever wrecked the car. And so God tells these Israelites who are in horrible circumstances in verse, chapter 29, verse 5. Again, they've now been taken. They're defeated. Hananiah said, you got two years. You're going to be restored. Jeremiah said, no. God said, 70. So I want you to build houses and live in them. Plant farms and eat of them. Take, hus take, take husbands and wives. Have kids. Give your husbands to get married. Have their kids. Do not decrease the land, but increase the land, because I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, not plans for calamity, but plans for welfare, plans to give you a future and a hope. So what's going on while they are being sent to Babylon, God is planning the prosperity for them on, even as they're en route to Babylon. Does that make sense? They're slaves in a foreign land, and they're thinking there's no hope for us. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like a slave in a foreign land? There's no, there's no hope for me. Man, what am I going to do? Matter of fact, we've just watched America, man, freaking left and right. We just watched the modern-day miracle, which was the transfer of power from President Barack Obama to President Donald Trump. By the way, I've, I've quit using last names because last names are dishonoring. And I believe the President of the United States ought to be called by his name, President Barack Obama, President Donald Trump. There were people dancing in the street in joy. There were people protesting in the street in hatred. There are people crying tears of joy. There are people crying tears of pain. But let me tell you what, let me tell you what God did not say to the Israelites in Babylon. He didn't say, get on Facebook and gripe and complain and stir up trouble. That's not what he said to do, people of God. What he said to do was pray for the peace of the city in which you live. Because as it has welfare, as it prospers, you will prosper. I don't care if there's a Democrat or a White House or a Republican in the White House. I pray for the peace of our city, and I pray for the peace of our country. I prayed for it when President Barack Obama was there. I'll pray for it as President Donald Trump was there. I prayed for it under President Bill Clinton, and I prayed for it under President Bush. See, the problem is so many of us are Democrats, and we hate the Republicans, and we want them to fail. Our Republicans, and we hate the Democrats, and we want them to fail. We hammer the other side, but come on. We ought to be respectful, honoring people, and pray for the peace of the city and the country in which we live. For as it prospers, we will all prosper. I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but I like a little prosperity. Amen? I like it. 
So we're going to pray for the peace of the city. Matter of fact, let's just substitute that word city. I want you to think about it. Because, see, again, this word given to those exiles applies to us today. Because we are citizens of heaven. When you were born again, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you got a new passport. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, sealed by the blood of Jesus. And you are now in a foreign land. But we are going home. And our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. We're not going home when this service is over. We're going home when Jesus comes back and gets us. So that's the deal. But why let's change the word. Hey, pray for the peace of the job and the where you work. Instead of getting on Facebook or getting with your friends at lunch and talking about your boss or how you hate it or how your benefits are not good enough or how you're not treated, why don't you pray for the peace and the prosperity of the place in which you work? How about, hey, how about the school that you go to? Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the school in which you attend. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the team that you play on. Pray for the move of God, the peace of the small group in which you attend, the church in which you worship. You say, but I'm in the unemployment line. Pray for the peace and prosperity in the unemployment line because God's going to give you a job, and it'll be a better job with better benefits. You say, but you don't understand. I'm in bankruptcy. Pray for the peace of God in bankruptcy. You understand, Pastor, I'm going under the most hellacious divorce and custody battle. Pray for the peace of God in the midst of divorce court. God said, pray for the peace of God. Does this make sense? Well, I don't want to pray for peace. I want God to get them. (laughs) When God gets them, it gets us. When the Democrats falter, the Republicans pay. When the Republicans falter, the Democrats. Hey, we're all one. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And if America goes down, it won't go down because of missile missile laws from Russia. It'll go down because we hate each other and we rejected God out of this nation. That's why we'll go down. So let's pray for the peace of the city and the land in which we live. Is that the will of God? Come on, somebody help me out right here. So who you, where you are is not who you are. Now, God, by and bars, you guys could be right there in Bledsoe County. Well, I don't even have a name. I just got a number. No, God's given you a new name. And God, listen, I don't, it's, it, listen it's, not, it's not where you are. It's who you are and who God has called you to be. Does that make sense? The circumstances don't call you out. God calls you out. You say, but I'm struggling with, with alcohol, struggling with drugs, struggling with debt. Your circumstances do not, de- their circumstances don't call you out. God does. See, not yet does not mean not now. Because God's at work, isn't he? I believe there could be revival at Bledsoe. It'll spread. Listen, every prison in the state of Tennessee can be calling saying, we want God behind bars at our, at our prison because we want to happen at Morgan County what happened at Bledsoe. We want to happen elsewhere what happened in Morgan County because we believe our God can move right in the midst of that place. Pray for the peace of the prison in which you find yourself. You say, but, but hold up, Pastor, I'm a lifer. You know what a lower court gave you a life sentence? God in heaven can overturn that sentence. We serve a God of grace and mercy. Come on, somebody, somebody. Because I had a life sentence. I was a sinner on my way to hell. God commuted my sentence and gave me a new name, and I'm on my way to heaven. Anybody going with me? Come on, man. This is the deal. So campus pastors, if you guys would come on up, 
And I'm going to ask you to speak over your campuses some new names that they give the gospel because some people are about to give their hearts to Jesus right now this weekend. So the campuses, we'll see you next weekend as we finish this series called Called Out. We love you guys tons. Campus pastors, it's yours. All right, now, just every head bow, every eye closed. I just want to speak some names over you and because God is already dealing with many of you. And so I want you to just open up right now. Your name could be Bridge because you're a, you're a man or woman, a student, who's busy about bringing people to the house of God, bringing people to your small group, connecting people to Christ. You're burdened. You're an ambassador. You're a soul winner. You're a peacemaker. Maybe your name is Crown because God is calling you into a greater leadership role at Faith Promise. And you've been fighting it. You've been saying, no, not me. I'm not a leader, but leadership is influence, and we use all of our influence for Jesus. You know, a long time ago, I learned that it's very difficult to sacrifice to God because he gives us back so much more when we give up to him. So some of you, your name is Crown. It's time to step into the leadership role that the door's opening. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. Some of you, your name is Shelter. You're a prayer warrior. You're an intercessor. You're a man or woman, a watchman on the wall that give God no rest day and night as you pray. And because of your prayers, the enemy has been held back. Because of your prayers, God has been set loose, and we're seeing a move of God. Some of you, your name is counselor. People come to you, and you use the word of God, and you're setting them on a path of light and right and holiness, and they're walking out of darkness and in a great victory. Some of you, your name is Judah. Praise. You're a guitar player, a drummer. You're a bass player. You are run words or tech or run cameras, run sound. You set up stage equipment. You help bring people to the mountain of God for transformational change. Some of you are doing it. Some of you are. God's called you that, but you're sitting on your talent. It's time to rise up, to sign up, to get up, to get in. Some of your name is equipper. God's called you in Ephesians chapter 4 ministry of training the saints to do the work of service. Some of your name is discipler. You are, you've been called to lead a small group. You've been called to, to make disciples that will make disciples. Step up. Some of your name is generous. You say, but I've never given. No, but God is calling you into, into a new level of generosity. It's not the amount of zeros, it's the sacrifice. And you're going to step into the generosity journey. Oh, God is speaking names. And quit fighting God. Quit stiff-arming God. Quit face-masking God and receive your new name and let God, what he calls you, call you out. Now, some of you have yet been giving your heart to Jesus and you're ready to give your heart to the Lord. If you're ready, would you pray this prayer with us? Have your sins forgiven, your passport signed and sealed. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I confess you as my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And now I will live for you. Give me a new name and a new way to walk. Faith to follow. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. come on, give him some praise in the house. Has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Man, come on.
Hey, guys, two things. Number one, quit confessing crap. And number two, men, if your wife gets mad, pray for me. Pastor said, I'm not yet. I'm getting better. And so, listen, there'll be people down here for prayer. Some of you, generous. It's time for you to begin giving this weekend, offering boxes. Others of you need to sign up, maybe to serve at God Behind Bars or somewhere else. Take your fill the communication cards out, put them in the offering box. If you need a small group, hey, step through the center doors in the next step. There are people to help you. Listen, it's our, it's our calling, it's our mission to help present you complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 1. We love you so much. You're going to be back next weekend? Let's fill that grandstand up. We love you. Be blessed.